All right, you can turn to Numbers chapter 28. We're going to do Numbers 28 and 29 this morning. Numbers 28 and 29. I am going to read both of those chapters. Numbers 28 and 29. And for those keeping score at home, that's about 70 verses. So, so it's going to take me a minute. Um, but it's important for us, for many reasons, to, to hear the Word of the Lord, um, the entire passage this morning. Um, again, like I always say, because it's the Word of the Lord, so it's, it's important to hear um, but then also, this morning, I want you to just to feel the, the sheer tonnage of, of the offerings here. The, the huge time commitments, the, the, the huge um, resource commitment, um, what it means to worship the Lord in, in Numbers 28 and 29. I want, you to, I want you to hear what it means to, to worship, what, what one year of worship, regularly scheduled worship, what it looked like in Numbers chapter 28 and 29. God's describing how they're going to worship when they reach the promised land. Let's, let's listen here. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food for my food offerings, my pleasing aroma, you shall be careful to offer to me at its appointed time. And you shall say to them, This is the food offering that you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs a year old without blemish, day by day, as a regular offering. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. Also a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with a quarter of a hin of beaten oil. It is a regular burnt offering which was ordained at Mount Sinai for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. Its drink offering shall be a quarter of a hin for each lamb. In the holy place you shall pour out a drink offering of strong drink to the Lord. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, like the grain offering of the morning, and like its drink offering, you shall offer it as a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. On the Sabbath day, two male lambs, a year old without blemish, and two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil, and its drink offering, this is the burnt offering of every Sabbath besides the regular burnt offerings and its drink offering, at the beginnings of your months you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord. Two bulls from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old without blemish, also three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil for each bull, and two-tenths of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil for the one ram, and a tenth of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for every lamb, for a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord." Their drink offering shall be a half a hen of wine for a bull, a third of a hen for a ram, and a quarter of a hen for a lamb. This is the burnt offering of each month throughout the months of the year. Also one male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offerings. On the fourteenth day of the first month is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of this month is a feast. Seven days shall be un, shall unleavened bread be eaten. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. 
but offer a food offering, a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls from the herd, one ram and seven male lambs a year old. See that they are without blemish. Also, their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah shall you offer for a bull and two-tenths for a ram. A tenth shall you offer for each of the seven lambs. Also, one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. You shall offer these burnt, these besides the burnt offerings of the morning, which is a regular burnt offering. In the same way, you shall offer daily for seven days the food of a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. And on the seventh day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. On the day of the first fruits, when you offer a grain offering of new grain to the Lord at your Feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but offer a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Two bulls from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old, also their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths for one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs, with one male goat to make atonement for you. Besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering, you shall offer them and their drink offering, see that they are without blemish. Chapter 29. On the first day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a day for you to blow the trumpets, and you shall offer a burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. One bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old without blemish. Also their grain offerings of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs with one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering and the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offering, according to the rule for them, for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. On the tenth day of this seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation and afflict yourselves. You shall do no work, but you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, one bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old. See that they are without blemish, and their grain offering shall be a fine, a fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs, also one male goat for a sin offering, because the sin offerings of atonement, and the regular burnt offerings, and its grain offering, and their drink offerings. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall keep a feast to the Lord seven days. And you shall offer a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, thirteen bulls from the herd, two rams, fourteen male lambs, a year old. They shall be without blemish, and their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls, two-tenths for each of the two rams, and a tenth for each of the fourteen lambs. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the second day, twelve bulls from the herd, two rams, fourteen male lambs, a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offering for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offerings, and its grain offerings, and their drink offerings. On the third day, eleven bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. On the fourth day, ten bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offering for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also, one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. On the fifth day, nine bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, a year old without blemish. I think in the second service, I'm just going to play this recording. I'm not positive. I'm thinking about that. 
Verse 27, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities, also one male goat for a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. On the sixth day, eight bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities, also one male goat for a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offerings. On the seventh day... Seven bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, a year old without blemish with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering besides the, the regular burnt offerings, its grain offering and its drink offering. On the eighth day, you shall have a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall offer a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. One bull, one ram, seven male lambs, a a year old without blemish, and the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bull, for the ram, and for the lamb in the prescribed quantities. Also, one male goat for a sin offering besides the regular burnt offerings and its grain offerings and its drink offerings. These you shall offer to the Lord at your appointed feasts in addition to your vow offerings and your free will offerings for your burnt offerings and for your grain offerings and for your drink offerings and for your peace offerings. So Moses told the people of Israel everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for how seriously you take, um, you, you take our worship. How important it is to you. And, and we thank you for the truths that we see in this passage. And we pray that you'd help, them, help us as we try to apply them um, today uh, to our own lives. I pray that your spirit would do work in us. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. I um my my wife is is homeschooling um a a quorum of our children uh two two thirds of them I think right now and so the other day I was I went home and they were having PE class they were having gym class um in the living room which is where they do it on when when, when weather is inclement you know when there's when it's rainy outside or cold outside they do a gym class in the living room. And uh, um, and they were doing high knees, you know, like the exercise where you run in place and you lift your knee, you lift your knee really high and you touch it. They're doing high knees. And I asked them what they were doing, and they said high knees. And I, when I was growing up, a high knee was something different. It was like I'm going to kick your high knee. That was a that was a different thing. This was this was not what they they were they were doing high knees. All of them were doing them. Um, even Haddon, Haddon, my two year old. Uh, she she does all the exercises um, right with everybody else. Everybody was doing it except for Silas. Silas was just jumping on the couch. My four-year-old son, he was just jumping on the couch. I said, Silas, what are you doing? High knees. I'm like, no, you're not, buddy. That's No, that you're just jumping on the couch. You're doing it the wrong way. He goes, I'm not doing it the wrong way. He says, you are doing it the wrong way. He says, no, I'm not doing it the wrong way. I'm doing it my way. No. <laughs> like, that's... No. Nope, that's not going to fly. You know, like, no, you're, you're not doing it your way. You're doing it the wrong way. I, this is so much like many conversations I've had in my life when, when, when I'm talking with people um, about fellowship with God, about the way we are to worship God, about, about the way we have relationship with God. 
Uh, we, we, you've probably met many people also, and, and probably you and I are also tempted, unfortunately, along these lines as well. But we get into lots of conversations where someone wants the blessings and the peace of mind, uh, they, they, they want the joy that God provides, they want to have that, that level of fellowship with God, uh, but, but they want it on their own terms. They want to say, no, I'm not doing it the wrong way, I'm doing it my way. They want to do it their own way. So, so we, we, we want to know God and, and the peace and the blessings that come with knowing God, but we don't want to be part of a church. We don't want to read our Bibles regularly. We don't want to spend any time in prayer. I, 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 you know, there's a big thing right now going around, and by right now I mean probably the last like 30 years, I don't know. But people say a lot, people call themselves spiritual. If you, if you talk to them, they say, I'm not really religious, I'm, I'm spiritual. Which sounds great, but it means nothing. It means nothing. You don't find that kind of language in the Bible. Don't be, don't be religious, be spiritual. No. No. When, when someone says, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, that's code for, I like the idea of God, I want the warm fuzzies that come with God, I want the, the blessings and the, the joy and the peace of mind that comes with, with knowing God, but I don't want to commit to church, I don't want to submit to the Bible, I don't want to be governed by theology, I don't want the rules or the dogma, I, I, want, I just want the relationship. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Oh, okay. These two chapters are saying to us, no, no, no. If you're going to have a relationship with God, you have to do it God's way. There is a right way. You can't just kind of say, I'm doing it my way. No. No, the Bible doesn't allow for that. We have to do it God's way. So this, these chapters are, are going to help us with that. These chapters are going to give us, they're going to give us New Testament believers three um, really important truths about our relationship with God, our fellowship with God, proper worship, knowing the, knowing the joy and the peace of honoring and glorifying God and being in, being in fellowship with Him. These chapters give us three important truths about our relationship with God. Truth number one, our relationship with God is governed by God. Our relationship with God is governed by God. Chapter 28 begins with the, the, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel and say to them, my offering, my food for my offerings, my pleasing aroma, you shall be careful to offer to me at its appointed time. We saw, we heard as we worked through Numbers 28 and 29. I mean, God had very specific commands for His people. If you're going to do this, you have to do it right. Now, there's a couple of things that jump out us here. There's a couple of very clear truths here. One, you see God's very clear desire to be with His people. When God talks about food offerings and pleasing aromas. God wants to be with His people. When, with this, this food offering, did you notice that with every one of these sacrifices, there's tons of, of grain and wine involved. This is, a, this is a meal. God wants His people to not just sacrifice the animal, He wants them to prepare a, a feast 
because he's showing them, he wants to, in a very symbolic way, he wants to feast with them. He wants to dine with them. In, in Bible times, this is a, this is a, a way of showing that, that someone wants to be with you, that they accept you, that they, wanna, that they want close fellowship with you. This is why Jesus always got in trouble for, for eating with the people He ate with, because it was this sign that He was with them. That He was with them. That He loved them. God wants to be with us. We see that. He wants a pleasing aroma. He wants to take joy in us. He loves us. But it's also clear here, the the other thing that's just incredibly clear is this has to happen according to God's commands. We cannot just make this up however we want to. We can't bring joy to God and know God and, 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 and be blessed by God and be in relationship with God. We can't just do this however we want to. It has to be according to the commands of God. That's how the, that's how the passage begins and that's how it ends in, in chapter 29, verse 40. So Moses told the people of Israel everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. A relationship with God can only happen the way God says it must happen. This is true for the people in Moses' time. It's, the, it's true for, for us. We, we can't just do whatever we want to do, say whatever we want to say, believe what we ever want to believe, um, omit the stuff that we want to omit. We, we can't just do however we want to do and then be fine. We must live our lives according to the way He tells us to. We must worship the way He tells us to. If, if someone says, I want to worship God, I just don't want to be part of a church. I want to worship God, I just don't want to be part of a church. Well, God says in Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together but encouraging one another. The day is drawing near. And I, of course, absolutely, I understand that for many of us right now, social distancing and all of that is very important. We have to stay away from big crowds. I understand that. But it is also vital that if you are live streaming and if you are, and if you are keeping your distance and all of that, it is still vital that you are a part of church. That you are that you are connecting to the live stream, that you are connecting however you can with other believers, that you are stirring one another up to good works, that you are thinking through the the sermon and the teaching with your family, that you are that you are enjoying the worship songs, that you I mean you are you are staying faithful in one way or another to the church, and that as soon as we are able to, we're we're back at it together. Because if we won't be faithful to church, God says to us, that's not how I've commanded you to worship me. We can't say, I want to worship God, but I want to do it without the church. God doesn't allow for that. We can't just say, I'm doing it my way. Sometimes we're tempted to say, I I want to worship God, but I want to leave out the parts of the Bible that I don't really like. God's Word says in John chapter 4, God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. 
We have to submit to the, to the truth of God's Word. I mean, there are parts of, of theology that, and there are parts of the Bible that if I, if I had sat down and written it, I would have written it differently. It, it would have, you know, been a train wreck, but I would have liked it better. There are things that, that, that as Christians, we read them in the Bible and we have to wrestle with them. They are hard truths. And as we wrestle with them, slowly but surely, we start to understand these are hard but good truths. And God is saying to us, if you're going to worship me, you have to worship me as I've revealed myself in Scripture, according to the truth that I've revealed in Scripture. You, you have to worship me in truth. Many people treat Jesus like a, a buffet. Many people say, I want to worship Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I really like a lot about what Jesus did and said. Jesus, yeah, He's the guy. Yeah, I like Him. But I want to worship Him. I want to be known for following Him. But then we read some of the stuff He says about sex and marriage, about generosity, about forgiving others, about humility, about serving people. You're like, well, I, I want to worship Jesus, but I want to omit some of the stuff that He said. I like, I like a lot of it. I don't like some of it. Jesus says in God's Word in John 14, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. Let's not say we love Jesus if we leave out a lot of what He said. Because it bothers us. It makes us feel like we're bigots or like we're haters. Scripture is clear. If you want a relationship with God, if you want fellowship with God, if you want to worship God, then you must submit to the Word of God. A relationship with God is governed by God Himself. That's truth number one. Truth number two, we see in these chapters. So truth number one, our relationship with God is governed by God Himself. Truth number two, our relationship with God is built on sacrifice. That was abundantly clear, wasn't it? Sacrifice after sacrifice, animal after animal. If you, if you were to read through these chapters again, and you, you got your calculator out, and so really what we're doing here is we're just looking at a regularly scheduled year. Chapter 28 and chapter 29 is just, here's what the priests are going to offer on behalf of the nation as you go through the year. You've got daily offerings, you've got weekly offerings, you've got monthly offerings, and then you've got offerings at different festivals and feasts. And if you were to add it all up, there would be every year 113 bulls, 32 rams, 1,086 lambs. And that's just the regularly scheduled offerings. This is not the, the, the voluntary offerings, it's not the family sin offerings. These are just the offerings that are automatically on the calendar. This is a lot of sacrifice. This was a, a constant, daily, weekly, monthly reminder 
that, that the people need to be forgiven. If they're going to have, if they're going to be with God, if God is going to be with them, if they're going to worship God, if they're going to know God and, and be loved by God, if this is going to happen, they need their sins paid for. Sin needs to be paid for. There's no just free, unconditional forgiveness. All forgiveness is conditional. Someone has to pay. If you, if you crash into someone's car, I was, I was driving out of, uh, the high school parking lot the other day. I think it was, yeah, I was driving out of the high school parking lot and my friend who, um, and I was driving my old, the, the older of our two vans, Right? I might have been a little bit more worried if I was driving the newer of the two, but I was driving the one that's like from 2005, and if you touch it, just like it rust falls. I'm just, I'm not super worried about its condition, right? And my friend thought he would kind of mess with me by like, by like kind of driving like he was going to swerve into me. I was like, well, you, your vehicle is way nicer than mine. I mean, if you want to do that, you, you can, but that would be, the, the joke would be on you. Anyhow, um, but if someone crashes into your car and does a thousand dollars worth of damage, and then they get out and they say, I'm sorry, and you say, oh, I forgive you, and then they just drive off, well, someone's got to pay for it. Someone has to pay for this. If you just say, okay, I forgive you, then you're the one paying for it. These animals were, were paying for Israel's sin. The, 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 every single one of these rams and lambs and bulls were uh, this reminder, someone's got to pay for this. We have sinned against God and payment is needed. The book of Hebrews in chapters 9 and 10 uh, say all of these animals, animal after animal after animal, all of them were pointing forward to Jesus. When John sees Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Hebrews says Jesus is the one that all of these sacrifices were pointing us to. Jesus is God's way of saying, I'll pay for your sin. You crashed your car into me. You sinned against me. You owe big time. I'll pay for it. On the cross, Jesus is the spotless Lamb of God. He's sent by God the Father. He's sent to, to live among us. To live a spotless, stainless, sinless life. He's sent by God the Father to die on the cross. And when He died on the cross, it was, it was Jesus saying to us, I'll pay for your sin. I'll be your sacrifice. And of course, in the Old Testament, I mean, those sacrifices just keep coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And, and we fill up two chapters of them. There's blood everywhere. There's animals everywhere. And Jesus comes in and in one single event puts an end to all of it. He says, it is finished. All those who look to Jesus all those who will trust in Jesus to be saved, to be forgiven. All those who will say, yes, I have sinned against God. Yes, someone has to pay. And I, I believe, I understand that Jesus 
paid for my sins by dying on the cross. Someone deserved to die. Someone had to die. I'm the one who deserved to die. Jesus died for me. He was my sacrifice. If you've believed that, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you, if, if you believe that this morning, you have a relationship with God. You're forgiven by God. You're in the family of God. Because Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. Now, that leads us, right? So we have to, we have to think about all these truths together. Alright? So the first truth is, is if we're gonna be, if we're gonna know God and be known by Him, if we're gonna love God and be loved by Him, if we're gonna be in the family of God, if we're gonna have fellowship with God, if we're gonna have all the blessings and, and peace, then we have to, we have to do this God's way. We have to believe that God is who He says He is. And we have to have a sacrifice for our sins. We have to have Jesus. And then what we have to understand now in truth number three, our, our relationship with God is cultivated through calendar commitments. I know, I know what you're thinking as soon as I said that. Cultivated through calendar commitments. Who talks like that? No one. That's the stupidest sentence I've ever heard. Yeah, no one talks like that, I know. But that's the best I could do when I was writing this sermon. So you've got to get past how weird it sounds. And understand the truth there. Our, our relationship with God is cultivated through calendar commitments. This passage makes it abundantly clear. And, and just like, because here's the thing, just like these, these Israelites, they needed these daily reminders they needed these weekly reminders. They needed these monthly reminders. They needed these festivals where they stopped everything and remembered how to, to worship God. Remembered the sacrifice that had to be paid for their fellowship with God. Remember the glory and the grace of God. They had to stop and remember. We, we have to. We have to. Our relationship with God is built on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and it is cultivated through calendar commitments. This passage makes it clear. God expects to own Israel's calendar. God expects daily worship. He expects weekly worship. He expects special monthly worship. And then there were special feasts and days beyond even all that. You had Passover, which is where they remember the Exodus story. You have the Feast of Weeks, which is like barley harvest, where you remember God's providence to you. You have the Feast of Tabernacles, which begins with this, this Feast of Trumpets, where they, they blast these trumpets and they remember together that God is King. They have the Day of Atonement, this national day of repentance, where the, the priest goes into the Holy Holies and sprinkles blood for the, for the sins of the people. He does this once a year. It's this national day of, of repentance before God. And this isn't just an Old Testament thing. I, in one sense, absolutely it's an Old Testament thing. Colossians tells us, Colossians tells us in chapter 2, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Paul says, these are a shadow of the things to come. So all of the stuff we see in the book of Numbers, it's a, it's a shadow of the things to come. He says, but the substance belongs to Christ. 
Just like the, the sacrifices were a shadow of what Jesus would do on the cross. They foreshadowed it. They, they pointed us towards the substance, the real deal. So we don't have to have these festivals and all of this because we have the substance. We have Christ. But then we have to remember, though, that the New Testament, the New Testament speaks in, in, in its own way of the same kind of idea. Hebrews 10, again, we have to, we have to get this into our hearts. We're not to neglect to meet together. We're to meet with the people of God. We're to worship with the people of God. And, and again, we, we, we know that there are precautions now, and we're, we're in a weird season, but we need to gather together. You do it around the live stream, or you do it in person, and you need to continue to stir up one another to good works in person, or via text, or email, or phone call. Let's, let's fellowship together. We, we have to, if we're going to cultivate our relationship with God. If we're going to protect our relationship with God. God knew that He was sending His people into a land that's full of pagans, full of idolatry. There would be temptations on every side as these people tried to go in and worship God. This is, part, this is a big part of the reason why He had regular, regular scheduled worship. This is what you're going to do every day. This is what you're going to do every week. This is what you're going to do every month. And then you're going to stop for these festivals and, 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 and just, just focus and concentrate. Take whole days off of work and you're going to just worship. You're going to remember. You're going to gather. You're going to do sacrifice. Why? Because you need it. This is how it is for us as well. We not only need the weekly fellowship but you need daily communion with God as well, where you spend at least a little time in His Word, where you spend some time in prayer every day. And I, I, I admit, I mean, you're, you, some of you are thinking, I'm really bad at just faithfully every day praying. I know that feeling. I actually have, um, this tells you a lot about me, I have an app on my phone. My, my phone... I obey my phone more than I even obey my wife. And so that's saying something, right? My wife says something, she says jump, I say how high, right? Um, and not really. Um, she doesn't even say jump, she just looks at me. My phone is my second boss, right? My phone makes a little noise at me, like, what do you want? Like, why do I do that? I don't know, but I do. Every time my phone, I just assume it's super vital that I go and pick up my phone and see why it's alerting me to whatever it's alerting me to. But there's a little bit of redemption in that, in that I have an app that reminds me every single morning to pray. And I put in all of your names, like anybody who's foolish enough to connect to First Baptist Church. So if you come for more than like three or four weeks and you're part of it, I just assume we've suckered you in and so you're in, right? And so then I add you to this list. And so you get prayed for. I get a new batch of names every day from my family, my extended family, my church, world missionaries, and then prayers, prayers for myself, for my own growth in godliness. I have to do that. I have to. I shouldn't need an app. 
but it's incredibly helpful. God, God makes demands on our schedule. He makes demands on our calendar. Let's ask ourselves, who holds the veto power on my schedule? What kind of things stop me from worshiping God every Sunday? If someone looked at the way I set my schedule, would they say that church is vital to me? That I don't, I don't miss unless, I mean, unless I have to. That I'm doing everything I can to avoid missing worshiping on Sunday. I've done everything I can to, to be with the people of God. Is that what our schedule suggests? Or does it say something different? Our, our, our prayer life, our, our Bible study, our daily worship. What does it say? Does it say God owns my calendar? God owns my schedule? God has veto power? Or does it say something else? The New Testament is, is clear that if we're not, if we're not worshiping God with each other, if we're not, if we're not part of a, of a church, if we're not people of, of faithful prayer, our, our joy in God, our fellowship with God, it will wither and die. We show what's important to us through our commitments. If some idiot guy wants to date your daughter, and you, it takes you about five minutes to size him up, and you realize this dude, he just wants, he doesn't, he doesn't want to commit to her. He doesn't want to commit to her. He's not interested in marriage. He's not, he just wants to sleep with her whenever he feels like it. You'd probably say no. You'd probably say, I'm going to kick you in the hiney, right? No, you're not coming anywhere near her. In a sort of a different way, we want, we say we want joy from the relationship with God. We want the peace of mind that comes with. With, with knowing and loving God. We want the warm fuzzies. We want all that. We want to, we want to know we can pray to someone when we're in trouble. We want, we want all that stuff. But if we're not willing to commit significant portions of our time to Him, if, if it's not clear that God owns our calendar and we sort of build our schedule around our commitments to God, our, our relationship with Him will wither and die You get to know people who just kind of turned their back on everything and walked away from everything. They kind of were they were good when they were kids, and they kind of grew up, and then they wanted nothing to do with it. I nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, ten times out of ten, they 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 walked away from weekly worship. They they walked away from from regular prayer. And they, they, they walked away from committing their calendar to God. That's what they did first. 
And I know we get weary. I know we get weary. I know we do. I know we do. I've had many, many talks with people who love Jesus, but they're not really big fans of church for all kinds of reasons. And I, I know we get weary. I know we do. And I know that there is this pressure on us to, to, to kind of water down certain truths about God that we know people are going to be offended by. Or maybe even our own little souls, we sort of prickle at them. We're like, ah, that's just kind of weird. I don't really like to think that that's true about God. Or, or maybe we, 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 we bristle at some of the clear ethics that are in the New Testament. I, I know it's, it gets weary. When it gets weary, when it gets tiring, I encourage you to remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember that, that Jesus Christ, in order to bring us into fellowship with God, in order to bring us into a relationship with God, He was our sacrifice. He was our sacrifice. He died in our place so that we could be forgiven for all of the times we were jumping on the couch saying, I want to do it my way! I want to do it my way! Jesus, Jesus died so that we could be known by God forever, loved by God forever, forgiven by God forever, blessed by God forever. Jesus Christ is our glory. He is our hope. When, when you are weary, remember the Lamb who was slain. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for this passage. And it is... Um, it brings truths to us that are a little bit invasive, a little bit intrusive. They're, they're a little bit um, demanding. There's a lot in your word, God. As we, as we look at it honestly, we see it to be just incredibly demanding. Um, now we know we know that these These calls to be faithful to prayer, faithful to study the Bible, faithful to worship with your people, faithful to just take the truth that's clear in your word and live by it, believe it and live by it. We, we know that these calls that are, that are built on this, on this gospel call, we, we know that they are your grace to us. We know that in the end, you, you, give us, you give us the grace, the faith to follow, to believe, to submit, to obey. And in your grace, in the end, you will make it worth it. And we believe that. We pray that you would help us more and more and more to, to believe and to live like we believe. 
that, that worshiping you your way is where it's at. We thank you for Jesus who, who bled and died so that we could be forgiven. It's in his name we pray. Amen.